You are listening to MSP 1337, a podcast dedicated to helping MSPs and their clients navigate cybersecurity. Security maturity is a journey, but that doesn't mean you have to travel alone. I'm your host, Chris Johnson, and I want to personally thank you for joining us today. Before we jump into the show, I would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, MSP Ignite. MSP Ignite offers a peer group experience that is unique to managed service providers in the technology industry. If you are serious about implementing a model for success through sharing and collaboration of best practices, this is the best way to do it. Head on over to msp-ignite.com today to find out more. Now on with the show. Uh, welcome everybody to this episode of MSP 1337, where we have off-the-cuff conversations pertaining to all things security. And today I have Eric Hansen of Inlink Productivity on Welcome, Eric. Well, thanks, Chris. Hey, you know, we had an episode where we talked about pleasure. What we didn't elaborate on is that is direct quoted from Mr. Deeds. I have to uh, say that that was <laughs> from a movie. That was not some in sort of sort of inside joke. Um so Eric, we've known each other for, well, since the inception of MSPs, I think, I think early 2000s. And we've had some conversations recently that uh, made both of us say, hey, let's do a podcast about that. So today, I think it'd be good to talk about the MSP, MSSP, and why that second S needs to be lowercase in the context of MSPs are still really important to the industry. So Eric, we were talking about uh, everything that pertains to security services and MSPs needing to add sort of this uh, additional uh, product service model to what we've already probably been doing. We manage firewalls, we put uh, endpoint protection on devices. And so things that keep coming up and we're all sort of gravitating towards them is that how do they integrate, right? How do we in, ingest all of this information to make better decisions that may or may not be decisions that should be made by our own technicians, but again, the information is being digested and what do we do with it? So I'd like to just kind of jump off there. Talk to me about your thoughts around integration and what does that mean? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think it means different things to different people uh, and different, different sizes of MSPs uh, and MSPs that are trying to do different things. Um, uh, we have taken kind of a uh, the approach that while I want notifications, those sorts of things coming into our PSA, I don't necessarily want, um, you know, the one-click integration to, oh, I got this ticket. I'm going to work on this ticket. I click the link and I'm connected to that client's workstation. Um, I think some of those types of integrations are actually creating security problems for us or potential security problems for us um, down the road, uh, as we've seen with, yeah, I know that uh, his name is escaping me, but the MSP that was uh, breached up oh, uh, in yeah, Central Brian California. Weiss. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, when his company was breached, I don't know the exact details of it, but, you know, the more we integrate this thing and make it so that Okay, if I authenticated here, I'm authenticated everywhere to every part of of our enterprise. You know, I think in their case it was the the uh, the RMM. The RMM yep. was compromised, and then the RMM was used to distribute um, the payload 
but you know, we all have PSAs that are facing the internet too, because that makes it easy for the technician who, especially in this environment is working from home. Um, and maybe that PSA is not, doesn't, doesn't even require you to VPN to the, into your, um, uh, location or, or the vendor, if it's hosted, um, you know, there's no requirement to do that. We've got multi-factor authentication, but as we've seen, you know, in the last couple of days, um, with all the stuff going on with, uh, solar winds, sure. They, you know, there's a way around that. And we've, and there have been demonstrated ways around that multi-factor authentication too. So I think having, you know, maybe our approach is, is overly paranoid. So, but, so you know, let's this talk business about, is so different that way. Well, let's talk about, parano- let's talk about paranoia for a minute. I think about all the clients that I have who are using, uh, say, uh, Google, as their single sign-on, right? So I just did an assessment of a company that one of the employees had 54 third-party cloud apps that they were using their Google credentials for to sign on to the other service, of which only four were even verified by Google. So what you're talking about when we think about integration is knowing what vendors' products and what they're allowing when we start saying, let's do an API integration and depending on the level of integration, how much information is actually flowing back and forth, not even counting when we get into credentialed authentication, just the information as a whole. Like, what does it matter? Is it important enough to have the integration? Because I think what I'm hearing you say is as an MSP, it's less about this bi-directional uh, user experience because you know one could say, I don't care if you have to put the thing in by hand one character at a time. I would rather be more secure than more efficient on some of this stuff. But the reality is we have to ingest the information for our guys to make good decisions. And the last thing we want is for them to bounce between dashboards or panes of glass, if you will, to make informed decisions about where they do need to go and dive in. Right, right. So, I mean, it really is. It's a, it's really a double-edged sword. Um I think, and, and that ability to pass that information between systems is. We're also not being asked, right? We're not being asked like, Hey, Eric, what would you like to have integrated? You're just being told there's not integration. Right. I have this swell thing here. Do this API and boom. Look what we did. Yeah. Look what we did for you. And you're going, and how does this help me? Because I think that's an area that I I've really struggled with is we see a lot of really cool things and I'm known for the shiny object syndrome of who I like that. And (laughs) you, you always have, right. (laughs) Yeah. I was gonna say, and we haven't even talked about what it does for me yet. I've just said, I got to have this. It's like buying a car and I didn't need a car because I have a car, but I like that one. And I wasn't planning on buying it to drive it. I wasn't planning on buying it to ever use it for anything. I just want it because it gets better gas mileage than the one I have. So we were kind of going through this like MSP, MSSP model and the lowercase s because we are at this point realizing that every MSP is, is now in some way, shape or form participating in a security services model. And so one of the things that has been challenging for me as I talk to other MSPs is they're like, well, I'm debating whether or not to come the MSSP with two capital S's. 
And I get where they're coming from because the, the uh, culture that we're in right now is driving us towards, you need to do more security. Therefore you just by default become this new entity. And so having known you since, well, 2005, 2006, as the MSP that uh, the company that I was at used, I believe that while you've had to evolve on services and delivery models, by and large, you haven't changed the model of being an MSP. Pro yeah, probably not. Probably not. You know, the model of being an MSP is, is what we do. I think we've always been at least, you know, uh, tried to be a little more forward thinking about on the security side than maybe some other MSPs um, because the focus as an MSP is just make the thing work. You know, my, my, uh, kind of my mantra to new engineers is yeah, look, the customer doesn't care that you won. The mm -hmm. customer cares that it works. Right. Yeah. And, and we've, <laughs> and we've always um, kind of taken, you know, while you have to take that approach that, you know, look, I, I don't care that you spent nine hours figuring out why the hell that workstation was doing that weird thing. What when yeah. in an hour you could have laid an image down and put the, you put the person back to work. That's the result the customer wants. The customer doesn't want to know that, okay, you super engineer fixed it. But well, and wouldn't that to some extent be, so if I was the security guy for an MSSP and I get called in, my job isn't about fixing the computer and giving the user nope. experience back. My job is finding out what did it, how it did it, so it doesn't ever do it again. And right, I think that's right. where what, there's a conflict. Yeah, yeah what thing conflict. was wrong? Yeah, what thing was wrong that allowed this to happen? And how do we fix that moving forward? Or really, I think what an MMS little SP ought to be doing is making sure that all those pieces are in place that prevent it from happening in sure. the first place. So if you can be preventative, you don't necessarily have to become the two big S's, right? Like this is, right. you know, I don't necessarily need a security operations center if I've got my security services stack dialed in in such a way that for, for lack of a better word, we're going into that sort of zero trust model that says, we're not saying yes to install all apps that you want. We're saying this is the approved list of apps and no, you are not installing them yourself. Right. Right. And, and if, I mean, there are, there are certainly valid business reasons that you have to make exceptions to those lists. And, but you just said it, it's an exception to the right, list. Right. It's an exception to the list, not a, uh, you know, it, it, we try not to be back in the, in the days where everyone's a local administrator on their workstation. Right. Um, you know, well, but that's a phishing campaign being successful, right? If the exception is the one user that clicks on it, is an admin, that's a relatively big problem. But by and large, that's a big exception to have the one person who, who already is the exception would be the one that clicked on it, right? Like you're, you're gambling on a much better odds for it not happening. Well, yes, but no, because you have the, you know, in the clientele that we work with, you know, you have a, uh, a lot of owners that, you know, cause you know, we're talking about small, medium business typically, 
Um, you know, you have a lot of owners who are like, well, I need to have administrative credentials in case we decide we're going to fire you or sure. you get hit by a bus or whatever, whatever it is. I'm like, yeah, okay. That's, that's totally fair. You should have that, but you cannot be logging in with that. That can't Correct. be, that can't be your, your default account because, you know, I need you to be able to, <laughs> yes, you need to be able to pull the, pull the rip cord and get into that system. But, but you, you also don't need, need indemnification. To... <laughs> Both yeah. of us do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen, we've seen instances uh, of, <laughs> I've been doing this for so long. We've seen instances of just about everything. Literally today we had a, a customer that refuses to do multi-factor authentication. And I note, I said customer, not client because they sure. take all of our services um, that refuses to do multi-factor authentication. So as I'm sitting here chatting with you, I'm watching this team's feed from, from, uh, my guys. Yep. This client got an account compromised again. And then the guy who, if we gave it, if we would allow it, he actually would have had 365 administrative privileges. Um, he went in and put his username and password in on that. So now we got two compromised accounts. I'd... All in the span of like 15 minutes. Oh, by the way, is now a good time for me to point out. They had the same issue literally last week. We're back here. So, and they still won't turn on MFA. And and what's too hard. What's what's the resistance to two of oh well you guess you said too hard. I mean, what's the definition <laughs> of too hard? I mean, literally we're talking about like maybe putting in six digit code or hitting a button that says allow. Right. Right. Well, we have one user that has a flip phone. We don't think he'll be able to figure it out. Well, I'm I have uh, I, I have, have heard a smartphone. Well, or not. Or get a YubiKey. Or, I was going to say, or, there you or, go. Or, or I mean, <laughs> we're, we're, we're saying that this is about phones and, and not two-factor authentication. I mean, we could probably spend a whole episode just talking about how we've evolved in this, quote, smartphone space. And we've forgotten that the technology for 2FA has nothing to do with having a more sophisticated phone. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's convenient, per se. I mean, shoot, yeah. if you can buy a YubiKey that can actually plug into your smartphone, well, then I would argue that 2FA is much larger than phones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For, oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, but, I mean, that's the perception people have. So, I don't well, want to I, type in a code. I don't want to do this. I, I You know, I don't, I don't want to pay my taxes either, but I do. <laughs> sure, sure. I, I think about, uh, so back in the day, I was... Uh, used the PayPal, the VeriSign key, right? The RSA, mm -hmm. little thing around on a keychain. So I got mine probably in 2007. I think it was literally in the last year, the battery finally died. Like, yeah. so when we talk about, you know, sort of like uh, to technology to support 2FA, it, it in and of itself is almost a dinosaur. Oh yeah, like, for sure, uh, for sure. Yeah, we, we, had a, we had a client that would, uh, back when, you know, monitors had big wide edges, Mm -hmm. They would actually take the the RSA key and and double sticky tape it onto the monitor. Oh yeah, like I'm not really sure that's a good idea. <laughs> I mean, to some extent, that's like just putting a lot of post-it notes in sequence for the next rollover for the next. Well, six that's where the code, right? That's where the passwords were. Those yeah. were on the post-it <laughs> right. notes. <laughs> right. I'm, I, I think I think that that is a really um, not to digress down the rabbit hole, but. If our conversation is getting into the weeds on a security token, 
for 2FA or multi-factor authentication, how badly do you want that customer? And we, like you said, customer versus client, they're not taking all your services. I think every MSP um, has to ask the question, when a client or customer is absolutely refusing on the more minute minutia of security, like, do you really want this burden to be in your portfolio? Right. Well, and, and you have to make that decision. And, you know, while, while there are certainly MSPs who are like, you shall do it my way or the highway, and that's it. The reality is for most MSPs, that's not how we work. You know, you have this legacy base of clients that you've yep. had that were been with for, since the beginning. Right. They've been with you forever. And, and in this case, this is one of those for us. Sure. Um, and, you know, they haven't had a big enough security event to make it, oh, crap, we need to do this. Well, and you're describing a problem that until it really is bad, is it big? It's not, I mean, you're fixing it for them. So what's the big deal? Well, it depends how long it takes to fix. So we had a Fair client, enough. we had a client that, you know who it is, but we obviously, sure. I'm not going to talk about that, had a, you know, got fished and got compromised and, you know, thank God they found, they found it before it had gotten the entire network, but it had gotten a big chunk of it. And, alphabetically, uh, of course. Yeah, oh, yes. Alphabetically. <laughs> Fortunately, they were working on a project that was early in the alphabet, so they found it. I believe, I believe it started with a B. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and they happened to be working late that day. But, you know, it was, they had moved to a model of, okay, well, we're going to be break fix and, you know, whatever, whatever you have to come and fix, that's fine. And they had that event and they actually got it. You know, because I've seen customers that have these security events and they're like, oh, what's the chances of that happening again? Eh, better than you think. But, you know, these guys got it. And now, you know, if we go to them, you need to do this. They do it. And, well, and when. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say. And when we take on new, you know, a conversation with a new potential client for us is very different. Sure. Than, than an existing relationship. You know, we go in and we're like, look yeah, here's the part you want to do. And here's the part I'm telling you, you have to do. Right. Or, or we're not doing yeah, this, this is because there's breaker. too much risk for me. Um, we had one of these, we had one recently and I, I think we lost the deal. Um, we had been their IT provider for a number of years through a big system integration. And there was a falling out inside the, the organization between a, a manager who happened to be a family member and and the, <laughs> and the owner who yep. was the other family member. So we ended up being, you know, a few months later, we were the collateral damage. So we end up going working for the, the uh, other family member who goes and starts the exact same kind of business. Sure. Doing exactly the same thing. And, you know, finally the family reconciles, you know, I think it's been about six years. Well, in that six years, they've had four IT providers. You're talking about the other side of the divorce. The uh, the other side of the divorce, right? Gotcha. So, so they've had they've had four IT providers. They haven't been happy with any of them. And sure. we went in there, and I I mean, I went in for this meeting expecting, okay, there's going to have to have been a fair number of things that have changed. I mean, this infrastructure's nine years old at this point. It was like walking into the same room. Nothing 
had changed with the exception of the firewall. That is the only part of the entire infrastructure that had changed. Still had the same 10 year old ruckus stuff. Sure. So, you know, okay, I see, okay, you haven't really grown. All right, kind of, kind of know what we have here. Um, let me go back and we'll do the investigation from our side. I put their IP address and Shodan, the thing's got an open RDP server. Wow. To, you know, to the internet. I mean, literally, I called them. I'm like, I can't believe you haven't been hacked yet. So what's what's because that administrator password hasn't changed in five service yeah, providers. Yeah. <laughs> like uh so so it's you you brought up something that I think is really um important to to note, and that is there's nothing wrong with a break fix model, right? There's nothing wrong with an MSP model that's whatever, however the structure works for you. But what's really interesting is when you start talking about security services that are subscription based, that are not tied to TNM. Uh, especially when there's sort of like this visualization that the client suddenly has this epiphany that says, I understand what you're saying to me and what it stops. They will sign a lot of contracts for those types of services, but they're a lot tighter with the wallet when it's about, am I buying a Lenovo or HP laptop? One's $500, one's $1,500. Now we're in a different world of conversation and they're very quick to say, well, this is just a machine and all the hours that you're putting into it is a completely different conversation than you want to layer security services and you want to charge me a flat fee for it because they've either gone through the breach and experienced paying you T&M to bring them back to life or they're just realizing that what's happening around them, that this just makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and the unfortunate thing is I don't think that they realize, really realize it around themselves until they've been been through it and some people need to go through it you know in a really really bad way unfortunately um, i'd say it's probably more like 75 percent or more needs some level of bad thing whether it's you lost 20 bucks and that wasn't a lot of money to them or it's they lost their first you know i mean it could be anything right like it you you, you put the measure of value on it whatever you want it to be might not be enough but then whatever is you know priceless to them you know, just like the, the uh, you know, shark in the uh, picture behind you, uh, whether it's real or not, to somebody that's really important. Right, right. Yeah, so we've gotten pretty far afield to where we started here, though. Um, I think we're in the same spot. We've just continued to tell stories that are articulating, I think, the need for an MSP to at least embrace the second little s. The, the small s, yeah. The yeah. small s, and yeah. recognize that they don't have to be two big S's because ultimately that gets into where you would either partner with or you're really having that conversation with yourself or somebody else in your company to say, do we want to become something that we never started out to be? Yeah, yeah. That's what I've heard throughout. Every story we've talked about has been about how you've had to apply that little S to manage services. And I think that that's really important for every MSP out there to hear is that the goals with your business aren't necessarily to become a security company. In fact, I would hope not because if we don't have enough MSPs and all we have is security companies, then there won't be a whole lot of businesses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Our walls well, will be no doors and no windows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, you know, there, there's obviously some degree of risk that 
these companies have to assume, you know, to, to do whatever it is they do. Well, isn't that the conversation? Uh, I think about it. If you were my client as an MSP and I was talking to you about security, the first thing I would ask you is what security, you know, plans, uh, product services have you executed internally in your own company? And obviously I know having worked with you that 2FA is one that's pretty high on your list. And if it doesn't support 2FA, it's probably not in your portfolio if there's something else that supports it. Right. right. So, um, so along those same lines, uh, as we're as we're wrapping this up with security being of utmost importance, what's one thing that you would share with the um, the audience at large that if if you were to impart wisdom on other MSPs that pertains to little S or two big S's, either one, uh, what would it be? <laughs> well, I, I think I think little S means going back and and looking at those basic things that are the big roadblocks, you know, using reasonable password policy. Okay, everybody's doing that. But you'd be stunned at how frequently I see networks still today that there's no no user account lockout. Or you've got RDP open to the outside world. I mean, if if you've got user account lockout and you're synchronizing your AD to Microsoft, you now have that policy applied on the 365 accounts automatically. Right. And going back and looking at, you know, now we have the security framework from 365 that you didn't have two years ago. Well, sure. that person that you deployed 365 three years ago on, they don't have that because it didn't become automatically turned on. You have to go back and take those steps to do it. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think companies put themselves at great risk, meaning MSPs, you know, with your customers believing that you're, at least an MS little SP. Sure. You know, and that you're going back and checking those boxes, but how many uh, MSPs really are going back and checking those boxes? And well, you it's know, not we, free. It's not free. It takes time. Right. It takes time. You probably have engineer bandwidth right now, given the environment that we're in. You know, you're trying to keep all your people on, unless, unless you went through and just ruthlessly cut to the bone, you know, trying to make those. MSP metrics that we're all told, you know, sure. you need to be at this utilization percentage, percentage and you, yep. know, you need to, you need to look like this unless you did that um, to try and keep those numbers where, where you're told by the industry experts, they're supposed to be, you probably have the bandwidth to go back and do this. And at the end of the day, if you get compromised or if your customer gets compromised and that word gets out, um, your you know, reputation, you, your reputation is way more important than, you know, the extra two hours you paid an engineer to go back and make this. Sure. Right. Well, and, I'll just throw this out there. It seems like, and, and I would suspect that even if you didn't cut anything or you cut a lot, every engineer that's client facing 24 seven probably has somewhere between 15 and 20% of their day that is not billable because they've got things that they got to do from filling out timesheets to you name it. And the reality is if your guys are growing uh, on skill sets, which hopefully they all are, um, it's an easy exercise to say, hey, you've got A through J. I want you to go check 365. Is, is ATP, oh, they bought it? Is it turned on? I mean, just the little things that <laughs> yeah, quite did somebody Did somebody remember to turn that on and actually <laughs> right. connect it to the account? Or, or just thinking about like, hey, uh, we, we have firewalls with all of our clients. Hey, yeah, why don't, why don't, today's Tuesday, let's double check and make sure that the, the logs are turned on 
for the firewalls. I mean, sounds very small and little S-ish, if you will. Um, but the reality is if you had to do forensics, it goes a long ways to at least have saying the firewall log was turned on because you can't do much if the fire log, firewall log was off, it won't tell you anything. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Well, I just want to say that I really appreciate you being on this episode of MSP 1337. Uh, for those of you listening, uh, look forward to next week when I'll have Eric on again with a special guest. And with that, thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks, Chris. You bet.